we are on. I am your host, Ben Crawford, this evening on the Fight for Together show, and we have a very special guest with us tonight, mother of six, registered nurse, at least she was registered at one time, college graduate of Northwest College, thru-hiker of the Appalachian Trail, and coincidentally, my personal partner for around 20 years, Cami Crawford. You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. Next time I'm doing you. <laughs> Whoa, that's what she said. Um, so I, I was listening to a podcast this week, and they had a host, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. We should have a host. So yeah. then I thought, well, I should be the host because I'm the one that, like, plans a thing. So there's only one host? Well, we need to have a special guest, too. And I thought you'd be a cool special guest. <laughs> we'll just take turns. Next time, I'll be the host. All right. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Kirkland Signature Premium Golden Margarita, ready to drink. A refreshing taste of lime and orange and a well-balanced, ready-to-serve margarita. Dude, this is like, everything is in here. You just pour it over ice and you're good. I wish I had more ice. Do you want to give me some of your ice? Because you don't like ice. Yeah, sure. Here, you can hear the safety seal being broken. And I thought this would be a great time to tell you guys a little bit about our relationship with Kirkland Signature, or K-Sig as we like to call it, affectionately. Hear that? K-Sig. Never called it that. Really? I always call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, us hosts, that's how we call it. Mm-hmm. And not only is Kirkland Signature the producer of awesome products for a great price from Costco for those of you who are Costco members or not Sam's Club members it's okay you're still welcome here even if you are well I mean I'm not saying that they're not welcome here they're just not gonna know yeah they're it's like we're educating them Mm -hmm. um and they are not the same thing although both are loved by God I'm sure um not only is it a great product for a good price, but it's a bit nostalgic for us because we both lived in Kirkland for the first, what, 12, 13 years of our marriage. 32, well, for me, not Kirkland, but Washington State, 32 years of my life. I'm talking Kirkland. Kirkland. Here. This is in Washington State. And five out of six mm, of our kids delicious. were born in Kirkland. So anyways, it holds us a near, dear, special place in our heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we would go back and read a few comments from last week's post okay. podcast. Sounds fun. Let me pull them up because there's only one that I had in mind, but maybe a few bonus ones will pop up. Um, also, I noticed BB Mama didn't uh, leave any comments like saying she fucking loves our podcast or anything, which makes me wonder if she still listens. <laughs> that was just a passing phase. I mean, what are we, chopped liver now? <laughs> you know? Oh, we need to... Here, you light the cigars yeah. while I do okay. this. Because, Both of them? Well, you I'll just, just light yours, and then we'll take turns. Okay, Practically Prolific, who I think her name is Faith. I always get the... Yeah, she signed her name, Faith. Good. Yeah. Um says, my therapist told me, yeah, I have one now. Thanks, FFT, for showcasing its benefit and normalizing its use. On Friday, about a kid's book called There Is No Such Thing as a Dragon. She said it's a great metaphor for a few things, but mainly as an illustration for ignored or suppressed feelings. Cool. Hmm. Um, Okay, this is the comment I wanted to get to which is by Linda. She says, there is no need for you to apologize to the ex-girlfriend. If she feels she needs an apology, she will reach out to you. It is very selfish of you to apologize only to make yourself feel better. To which, (laughs) Cammie 
replied, I didn't know about this. And no, I, I told you. I read this comment. Well, I mean, I didn't know at the time. And oh, okay. I read this comment, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I hadn't thought of that. That's not how I took it. So Cammy's then like, I don't see anything wrong with Ben apologizing if that's what his conscience is okay, telling don't him. don't be all mean about it. I don't think you need to wait for the other person to ask for it. If you have felt like you've done something wrong, then you have the right to apologize to that person. They have the right to accept it or not. If my son hit my daughter, I wouldn't want him to feel like he wanted to wait for her to ask for the apology in order to apologize. So then it goes on. But then I, I commented just today, and I said, I think that's a good point. <laughs> it made me think, like, I don't want to do it just to be selfish. But I thought, well, maybe it would, you know, help her understand her past, too. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Um, today, we are going to be talking about why we started Fight for Together. And it's not just a story. We're going to have some little, you know, nuggets for you, mm, I nuggets. think. But I'd like to ask our guest today, Cami Crawford. That's me. If you would tell the story to the best of your ability. Oh, jeez. Of how we started this little thing. And can you pass the matches also, please? Yeah. I, gosh, okay. I know I'm going to be forgetting things, but oh well. You can fill in. Um, That's a terrible beginning to a story. Three and a half years ago, probably a little more than that now, uh, I just, I don't even know. <laughs> I think, no. All right, have a drink, I real think, and just like get some... You know, get some confidence. I think we felt like there was some uniqueness to our family. Uh, not that it made us better, but just unique. And some not such uniqueness to us. But... What are you saying right now? <laughs> we felt like... There's something to share. Some we we really wanted to show family in a different light than what our society shows family as, and we felt like we could because we felt different in some ways. Um, and I think the YouTube world. So this was three and a half years ago. Was hang on, sorry. Well, you're the As one the who host, asked me. I guess I do have to interrupt here. I didn't really want to start because oh. okay. I feel like I don't have a very good grasp on, at least story wise, like how to tell a good story. Okay, for this. so we were at a gay Christian network conference. See, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> In Chicago. This was January of 2015, probably. Well, sometimes guests are there to, for their to talk and sometimes they look cute. Ooh, so. I gotta have to boo you for that one. Why? Just because I know some people are gonna have a hard time with that one. Some people? Yes. Oh, so now you're booing for some people. Mm -hmm. Alright. Alright, I see how this is. Um <clears throat> Okay, so we were at this gay Christian network conference with a family member who had just come out as being gay. And this was in Chicago's four-hour drive. And you might be asking, like, what is a gay Christian network conference? I don't know. This is the only thing we've ever done like this. And this was a big stretch for us, by the way, because where we came from, um, we had a pretty judgmental perspective on people who identified as being gay or the gay lifestyle. Um so when I hear all these churches that are like not affirming, I totally get it because that's just, that was what we were raised with. And that was our understanding of the world and sexuality and what we thought God believed. Yeah. And how God designed humans and all this stuff. But this family member invited us 
and we thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to support this family member. I don't even really think I went to get educated about anything. I probably was pretty confident that I didn't have much to learn, especially from gay people who I thought might have an agenda. So we went to this conference, and this conference was filled with, I would just say, like really hurting people. Because, I mean, what what didn't seem intuitive to me was that, of course, gay people in our culture historically are pretty ostracized. I feel like that might be less so in the last five years, but... But it's still the case with a lot of religious people. They're well, ostracized. Yeah. It's like a whole ball, a new ball of wax is what I was going to say. So if you think about it this way, the, the religious folks are hated by the gays because for obvious reasons, like they're seen as oppressors and bigots and whatnot. And the gays are historically hated by Christians because they're like, oh, you're trying to destroy the moral fabric of our society and family and all this. So if you're a gay Christian, you're actually not loved by both parties. You're hated by both parties. So there's these people that identify as both, and they're... There's no place for them to land. They're hated by both and ostracized mm-hmm. by both. And the gays are like, you're not one of us. And the Christians are like, well, you're not one of us. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, these are just like tribal cultural groups, just like every other group. Yeah. So this place was filled with these people who were really hurting and isolated and ostracized and alone. And yes, I'm generalizing, but that was the tone that I got from this weekend. And back then we had six kids. Maybe we, we probably had five kids at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that we had things pretty figured out with family and that God's plan for the world was for everyone to have a family and to have a lot of kids and that that was like the best way to live. And of course, one of the problems with gay people is they can't have kids. Well, I mean, like the way the way we have the way we viewed it back then. Yeah, Yeah. this is all back then. (laughs) And um, and we're thinking, oh, crap, here's these people. They're hurting and they don't have access to a solution given their life choices. And no amount of we saw it as a choice back then, too. uh, Not being gay, but participating in the lifestyle is a choice. And I at least we don't. Yeah, I still see it as a choice, but I don't see it as a necessarily a moral choice the same way I used to. Let's clarify. What do you see as a choice? Um, having gay sex. Okay. So not being gay. That's correct. Yeah. Just clarifying. Um, ooh, you're acting like the host now. I like it. <laughs> so we basically came home and we were like, these people are all scared of churches. And, and we were getting that way a little bit too. So we're like, no one's going to go to a church to, to get an answer about searching for God or Jesus or love or hope or peace. None of these people were. They were all burned out. They were over it. So we asked this question, well, how can we share that we think this lifestyle is actually still pretty cool? And like I said, we, we thought it was more than cool. We thought it was like probably the better and best way. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, the best way is to f- show it to people. And later on, and maybe this is more my answer than yours. I don't know. Yeah, I d- that's what makes it hard. I feel. I think you and I had different. We had overlapping journeys, but okay, this is my answer then. A bit different. And I thought, well, we can just show our show it to people, and if it it really is great, people will want it, and if not, they won't. So, we started. A vlog, which was a way to show what our family looked like. And it wasn't just our family. It was kind of just like family in general was what what I was kind of amped on at the time. And essentially, like, convert people. Not from being gay necessarily, but what we had sensed is that there was a lot of people who just kind of believed that kids were a nuisance, 
that traditional family meaning like monogamy or commitment some people like <clears throat> you know don't get married until they're 40 because they they're afraid of that type of commitment some people don't want to be committed to one person and we had really found it to be a pretty cool thing and wanted to show it mm-hmm. to convert people to at least have hope in the idea and not give up on the idea mm-hmm. and that is why I started Fight for Together around four years ago but we've come a little ways since then and the reason why I do it to this day I'm starting to realize has evolved Yeah. but to share how it's evolved I feel like it's important like to, to, to share yeah. why we started it yep and we've, I don't know if we've ever, like, really shared it publicly. Maybe we have a couple times in the vlog. Yeah, maybe not quite this uh, specific. But, I, I mean, and I think Ben was in our, like, his personality, our relationship, he's more the, he, I don't know what you call you. The man? you do identify as a man but i think you have a more leader you're more of an overt leader than i am you're more assertive you have more broader visions um all that to say is i think you had this thing that you wanted to do and i think i believed in it and supported it um, but you were more the drive behind it, which I don't even think is a problem. I think that's just difference of personality. Um, but I think I've evolved as well. Cause I think I believed all those same things three and a half, four, this was maybe four years ago now. So this mindset three or four years ago, which was, I know what's best for other people Hmm. was present in our life all over the place. It was present in our life morally with people that were choosing and living different lifestyles than us, whether it be the examples I've already given with a gay lifestyle, promiscuous lifestyle, a life of crime, um, a life of like, I don't know, racking up debt and you know just being a lazy ass playing video games it was true in those ways but it was also true with friends and people that we were mentoring or the language we used back then in our spiritual lingo was discipling and i think one of the biggest ways i thought it was true was in how we saw our kids Hmm. so you take a typical let's just say like 13 year old and the kids playing video games and eating junk food and i would say something like why are you eating video games and playing junk food at 10 a.m.? You should be eating video games and playing junk food. Okay, reverse that. Eating video games is a terrible (laughs) thing to do. You should be reading a classical literature book right now because, and why, why do I have the authority to say that? Because I know it's best for you. And you can fill in your own example. Any. Well, not just, I know it's best for you. I know it's best for you and I should always tell you what I know is best for you too. Yeah, both of those. But obviously you're not going to tell someone what's best for them if you don't even believe you know what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And I would say one of the biggest questions that we have asked now, and I already have an answer, by the way, just to put it out there, is do I really know what's best for people, anyone else, anymore? And what I believe is I don't. Yeah. Which doesn't mean, by the way, we can't help people. And that's where I kind of want to share how we've come to where we're at and how I think we're actually much more help to the world via Fight for Together, mm-hmm. each other, and even our children with this new attitude of basically lack of confidence. It's knowing what and knowing what's best for them. Hmm. But I think there's something else that's replaced that. You look really puzzled right now. 
I guess we haven't talked about this quite in this way. Mm. So let's replace that for you. So the answer is what I learned in 12-step groups. And I realize not everyone might know what 12-step groups are. 12-step groups is like Alcoholics Anonymous. AA. AA. Um, it's, I, it's in the movies a lot. What was, Whoa, that? what was that? Anyways. Something blows up. <laughs> we died doing what we loved. <laughs> Smoking cigars, not podcasting. <laughs> um, okay, so going to 12-step groups, which I was going... Oh, there a two-year-old just walked I'll, in. Three, actually. I'll take care of them. Hi. You wanna, here, come here. You want to come say hi to people? Let me show you. You okay. see yourself? You're supposed to be in bed, but when you, you come can say do, hi, and then you have to go back to bed. You can see, see up there. But you talk here. You want to say hi? Hi. And you want to say your name? Um, I'm right Okay, don't grab this. Okay. And then, can you say how old you are now? Um. You just had a birthday. I died. I I I do birthday and. and it's really fun. It was fun. Are you two? Yeah. Uh-uh. How old are you? Yeah. Are you three? Yeah. yeah. All right. That was cute. That was a little commercial break. Mama, mama, mama. I, I, I want, I want some water. All right. Our special guest no, is leaving now. So I'm going to take this alone. <clears throat> So we started going to, I started going to a 12-step group for sexual addiction recovery. And one of the fascinating things that I first discovered in going to this group meeting was that you would have this meeting for an hour and everyone would share that wanted to share, but you would never share a story about anyone else or give any advice, and you wouldn't talk about anyone outside of the room. Which at first I was like, well, what the hell are you going to talk about if you can't talk about anyone else? Because in the circles I had been in before, mostly religious, that's all people did was we all gave each other advice. And asked then, for prayer requests. Yeah, and then <laughs> when it came time for prayer requests, everyone asked for prayer, but it was always prayer for, like, my neighbor or my aunt. It was never, like, for anything for ourselves. So... It was really weird, like, in 12-step groups, all you talked about was yourself. It was called crosstalk. So if I shared and if I said, oh, man, you know, I was really struggling this week and I wanted to commit suicide or jack off or look at porn for 12 hours a day, it seemed like the most obvious thing in the world that someone would give you advice and be like, well, have you read this book? Because that's what I had always heard. Or have you heard this Bible verse? Or you should not do that. (laughs) Or something, which sounds obvious. But what kind of came out was that it that never really worked um but 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 listening but listening worked and also me sharing my story and Mm -hmm. saying hey guess what i had a hard week too and this is how i succeeded or failed Mm -hmm. and what the what they say the purpose of the meeting is is to share your strength hope and experience emphasis on your mm-hmm. you share your strength and sometimes your strength is not always through victory it's actually through like i got my ass kicked this week but i'm still here there's a lot less talking at these meetings when it's, you have to talk about yourself and not someone else in a way at least that was been my experience mine was not that way mine was it, they were vibrant you know, mm-hmm. once you realize that that's the best way or that's the guideline, basically, mm-hmm. you know, it was really, really cool. And I, I well, went to you, these meetings for about eight were, years. You were involved in a much bigger network than my experiences. Have that's been. true. Yeah. So the size of the meeting would have a lot. Some of my it. experiences were with just other. Like one other person. Other, a few other Christian women that were probably only there because I asked them to be there. Yeah, that sounds miserable to me. Um, but, but anyways. I'm glad you like us. I didn't say I did. Um, 
So in these 12-step meetings, I just learned that that advice doesn't really work and that there's another way, which is sharing your perspective and your story from your vantage point. At- I think it's also just being able to let someone be. Let someone struggle. It's okay if you're... Because I think it's this knee-jerk reaction. I got to help this person. I got to somehow make this stop for them. And I think that's especially strong in with, at least in my experience, with my kids. When they're doing something that I feel like is destructive to them or I can see the path, or at least I think I can see, of course, I don't really see. But I think I can see the path they're heading on and I don't like it. It's, 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 it's taken like retraining of my, just the way I, I react to that kind of thing now. Were you going to talk about that we have a family 12 step meeting? No, I wasn't planning on talking about that. Oh, we can though. I mean, I think it'll be fun. It applies because we've been, we've had a family 12 step meeting off and on for the last couple of years. And at first and even still it's weird for me to just listen because i i, I want to jump in there and say oh well because uh, a kid will say i struggled like i watched too much youtube this week and i want to be like oh. we'll stop duh yeah <laughs> and it and it feels like it reflects on me and so i but the more we've done this and i think as we've evolved as parents uh the easier it's it's become just to listen and not get super hung up on what they're going through and just just to be able to enter in and and listen and with compassion and and relatability well and i want to come back to this kind of theme which is do we even know what's best for them so in 12-step groups like one of the phenomenon is is that people are in all different places and come from all walks of life. So one example is, like, let's say a guy walks in there and says, I smoked cigarettes this week. Well, where I came from, ironically, we're smoking cigars, but cigarettes were a a class below cigars. And it was like, oh, that's stupid. You're killing yourself. That's how I would have seen that. So my advice would have been, like, stop. But... What that fails to take into account is I don't know. I never know what pain someone else has been through. So that person could have got done coming off five years of shooting up heroin. And they quit last week. And now, guess what? He's smoking a fucking cigarette to celebrate Mm -hmm. not doing heroin for six straight days, which is the most he's ever Mm -hmm. done. And he's like on a huge up curve celebrating victory. And along comes my critical ass being like, you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. I mean, that is the most ignorant, dumbest thing to say. But if I don't know what pain he's been through, if I'm comparing him to me, that makes a lot of sense. But I'm not, he's not me. And I don't know his story. I don't know where he's been. I don't know that cigarettes for him are a victory compared to heroin Mm -hmm. and i think there's a million examples of this like i mean one i've been thinking a lot about for the last couple years is in the sexual realm is porn you know if you find out someone's looking at porn where we came from it would have just been like stop that's bad that's gross that's immoral Mm -hmm. well maybe they were just a hooker getting abused or abusing for the last 12 years and you know getting beat up in a relationship and they're out of that now. Or maybe they grew up where porn wasn't wrong. And they have a completely different worldview. And we are just, we're like projecting our worldview on someone else. I know, I know. That's also true. Yeah. But I'm trying to show people how even what, whatever degree of danger we believe right now, we don't, you know, we mm-hmm. just don't know where people are coming from. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of us are motivated by pain, I think, to change. But, like, the reason why 
we believe things now, why I believe something is because usually it's caused pain in the past. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example. Or it stops working. Yeah, I mean, this could be an aversion to junk food or watching TV. Like when I watch TV for a long time, I feel bad and that creates a certain degree of pain. Mm -hmm. So I stop. But when I look at my kids and they're watching YouTube for three hours or playing video games, they don't feel that pain. Like they still think it's the most awesome thing ever. And I used to think that too when I was a kid. And through five years of playing video games, I concluded that the pain for me of wasting eight hours is higher than the benefit I get from playing video games for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But my kid doesn't have that same perspective. And if I just enforce my morality on them and act like it's a Mm -hmm. universal truth, they will never get to experience that change themselves. Because for them, maybe video games is better than the alternative. What's the alternative for them? Math or being bored? I I don't know. (laughs) So one question that's helped me with this is just, asking like compared to what so video games are bad compared to what though for me i'm comparing to something different than what my 14 year old son is comparing it to and when i'm talking about cigarettes i'm comparing it to not smoking but they're comparing it to heroin and cigarettes are better than heroin Mm -hmm. i think but they're possibly like playing video games is better than going and stealing someone's stuff Maybe for some. Yes, people. absolutely. <laughs> and I just think, like, in the past, I didn't know that that was a thing that you could, that those things were relative. And I just saw, thought it was some absolute scale that I knew. Mm-hmm. But that absolute scale was basically me. I was just comparing people to me. Yeah. And it's it's a very common. And but very egocentric way to to see the world. So here's a different angle on this, taking a different approach. Mm-hmm. Our piano teacher, I was talking to him the other day, and he was telling us after the recital because we went to the recital. You guys saw it, but what we didn't show is at this recital there is some like very painful performances, <laughs> excruciating. <laughs> I like can't believe some of these kids are allowed to play instruments in public (laughs) and I'm I'm cool with it because I like awkward situations but I just felt bad for the parents and the kid I was like why would you do this to the poor kid Mm. anyway so it's bad so I'm talking to Brian our our um, piano teacher about this and he says I don't know why some parents want me to teach their kids piano. I think it's an absolute waste of money for some people. And I could see where it was coming from because I've thought those things in the past like, oh, this is 40 bucks and the kid's not learning or growing as fast as I think they should. So basically the parents throwing away 40 bucks. But the thing is, I've learned as a businessman, you never know why someone's spending their money. And if it's worth it to them. And and if it's worth it to them. It's worth it to them. (laughs) And they wouldn't be spending it unless it was worth it to them. Mm. Now, their values aren't necessarily the same as ours. Maybe they're investing in piano because they feel like a bad parent if they're not or because they just want their kid to be around music or they want to keep their kid busy for 30 minutes and get them off the iPad or because – their grandpa's dying wish and his inheritance money was that if you don't, you know, give our kid piano lessons, then you're a bad grandson or something weird like that. I mean, I'm just making shit up. But the point is we don't know why people spend their money. Like there's no static reason why people go to Disneyland. And for me to say you're wasting your money because you're spending on something I don't believe in or an amount that I think doesn't make sense to me shows that I don't understand the perspective that they're coming from. So you ready to go to Disneyland with me now? No. <laughs> you can. Is it this ongoing talk that we've had our whole marriage? Where well, I... It's not our whole marriage because I went to Disneyland so okay, many times. Okay, not our whole marriage. The last 10 years where I have a more nostalgic happy view of Disneyland and Disney World, although that is starting to wane. I will say that. 
and Ben is just like, I can't do it. I can't go there. <clears throat> so. But I guess I could go there without you. I don't really want to, though. So, so this is something that bugs me. You know that question Dr. Phil asks? Yeah. How's that working for you? Yeah. What an asshole. Because <laughs> it's like it's it's insinuating something. He's not really asking. Yeah. He's what he's doing is he's saying this shouldn't be working for you. You shouldn't be finding satisfaction or happiness in this. You're an idiot. The stage you're at, you should not be is not, at. Is not good enough. Yeah. It's time to grow up or And of course like what seems to be happening is some teenager will be getting shitty grades, right? Or something. And they're crying on stage and Dr. Phil goes so you're on Snapchat all the time, and your grades suck. How's that working for you? And the kid—it's a setup. The kid has to say it's bad. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: if the kid really believed it was bad, they wouldn't be on Snapchat and they would be doing their fucking homework. Mm-hmm. But something about whatever the kid sees is seeing more value or fun or they're getting something out of it they're getting something out of it yeah they're getting more out of snapchat than they are out of math and we can talk about whether that's right or wrong i don't think it matters Mm -hmm. but the point is that's the way that they see the world right now so the question is then how do you get someone to change the way they see the world and i think the answer for me goes back to the 12-step meeting is what I noticed was as other people shared their stories, Mm -hmm. they shared their perspective on how they saw the world this week from where they are. Mm -hmm. And some of them were doctors and lawyers and homeless people and some of them ride BMWs and some of them take the bus to work and they're all in different places with with their addiction. But when they share their story, Mm -hmm. I'm able to see a different perspective and it's able to actually inform my decision. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... After a long time of hearing some stories, I started to notice I started to see things differently. Some things that seemed really appealing stopped seeming as appealing. Mm-hmm. And some things that I wasn't really that interested in started to seem kind of cool. I mean, that's that's how you pump up sobriety is by saying, like, man, I've been sober for X amount of time. And it's actually been, like, really cool. And here, let me tell you about my life right now. And I'm not trying to convert you. I'm just, yeah. like, sharing with you, hey, I've... I've done this thing and this is how I felt then and I've done this thing and this is how I feel now. And you can call me a liar or you can just like absorb it. And that's actually a way to change people, help people. Yeah. The best way, I think. Because you're not trying to change them. (laughs) No, and you're you're not assuming that you know what's best for them. Yeah. They're taking your information and your story. You're, You're only assuming I know a little what's best for me not even all the way but more i'm going to focus on myself i'm the only one that can that i can change and i'm just going to share about that so what i i heard this on a podcast today and i want to do it was just like a podcast real thing on on a spiritual trauma and i'd like to do a full episode on it later but what the guy said is a little snippet he said people are normal and what he meant by that is that if you want to understand, like everyone thinks people are like like someone else is crazy, and we yeah. use this phrase. You know, we just watched this Ted Bundy like uh, thing on Netflix, and he's like crazy. And some people think spiritual people are crazy, and some people think conservative people are crazy. Mm-hmm. But people are doing things because it feels normal to them, mm-hmm. like it fits their motives and their story and their background. And this is something my sponsor used to say. If you were raised with the same parents in the same place that they were, you'd probably be doing the same thing too. Yeah. And I think we like to think otherwise, like of the of the serial killer. Oh, you know what? I would have made better choices with my life. Yeah, but if you were given his brain, uh, hit the way he was nurtured, the way he came into this world. If you had the shit kicked out of you, yeah, you might kill a few people too. The way he was not nurtured, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, so instead of seeing myself as the only normal person 
and seeing my kids as like basically little like morons who are like, what? You care about video games? Be like, oh, you know, with where they're at, with their life experience, that actually makes a ton of sense hmm. for them to be doing whatever it is they're doing. And to take it a step further, to be able to look at my 12-year-old or my 14-year-old and just celebrate where they're at right now instead of try to push them to the next stage of life and what I think is better or healthier for them. Because if I'm not doing that, I'm actually not even enjoying the relationship and enjoying them, which I've spent a lot of time not enjoying my kids just because they are who they are and they're wonderful the way they're created. So the analogy that's helpful for me now is to think like, okay, we're all climbing mm. in the mountains or something, hiking. And I'm on this mountain top that I've got to in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's not the highest peak, but let's say it's a, it's a sizable it's, one. It's not Everest, but it's a... It's a 14,000 feet rainier. peak. It's, it's approximately 14,411 <laughs> feet. Just one of those types of mountains, you know? <laughs> Volcanic Northwestern. <laughs> and my kid is at a peak that's 6,000 feet high. But, you know, they've been climbing too. And they've been hiking their whole life. Every day they just put one foot in front of the other. And they mm-hmm. fall down sometimes. And they go into some valleys. But, but they're... You know, they're walking. Mm-hmm. And I am I can see more from my peak. Right. I have, a, I have a better view of the world. If by better, you think more. Okay, I can see more. Mm-hmm. I know, oh, hey, that road goes that way and that goes there. Now, what I want to do is be like, hey, act like you're on this 14,000. Act like you have this 14,411 foot view. Mm-hmm. But they don't. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't. No. You know, you don't want a three-year-old to act like a 14-year-old. A three-year-old should be living like a three-year-old, and a 14-year-old should be living like a 14-year-old. But what I can do is say, oh, man, it's killer view up here. The sunrise is cool. Keep on plugging along. And, hey, if you go that way, you can go that way. I've been that way. Mm-hmm. I see other people down there too. But there's some rocks down there. Mm-hmm. I just want to give you a heads up. But – Sometimes you have to go to the rocks to believe it and believe it's not even worth it. Or maybe it is worth it to that person. I don't know because I don't know the pain that's on the other side of their peak. You know, they're up, they climb different peaks than even what I climbed. Yeah. So I don't know their exact journey. But I can share what it's like from my point of view. But it's just one point of view. Yeah. And, and what if your loved one, your kid or your parent or never – climbs any higher you know to be able to accept someone just 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 camping out on that peak for the rest of their life you know that's the people generally don't uh, okay yeah there, there's different growth it, does, it doesn't always look the same i mean maybe or, it's not as fast and but even going backwards i think in a way is is going forward mm. using my analogy yeah i see it might not be the same direction I want them to go. Yeah. I'm like, hey, let's head to the northwest. And they're like, right. well, I'm in New Mexico. You know? I'm yeah. like, well, that sucks. But they're like, no, it's awesome no, here. It's, yeah. Maybe it's what they need. The final story I'll share is what our life looked like then. Because I, I share with you why we started the vlog was to, you know, share this perspective of family. And and we're pretty good with money, I, I like to think. Like, we haven't had to work for money for a while, and we retired pretty early, and we made a bazillion dollars. And that gave me some unique perspectives on life, one of which was that mortgages are stupid. That's just how I saw the world. And and we experienced so much freedom when we paid ours off. And I know not everyone has that option, but when I was talking to young guys specifically who were like thinking about buying a house and exercising that option i was like don't like mortgages are so dumb and you're going to be bound to it forever and you don't know and there's all this literature you can read about it yada 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 and i actually still believe that i think mortgages are dumb in regards to freedom i think they bind you down but what i so if people came to me and they asked my advice i would tell them my line mortgages are dumb (laughs) 
And then if they didn't listen, I would feel like, okay, well, let me know how that works for you. And you know what happened? A number of people bought houses that I gave that advice to, and they're fine. They're yeah. like, okay, they have a little bit less freedom, but guess what? They have a house, and they whatever the joy of homeownership is outweighed the pain of a loss of freedom because actually that's a pain that I have I'm much more acute to mm -hmm. than other people I've learned mm -hmm. so they don't care as much about loss of freedom to them it's totally worth it and a few of them have come back and said hey now I know what you're talking about and I see that also but to say that that was a mistake I don't I wouldn't use that language on them yeah but it was just now I do it a little bit differently if people come to me I want to say well here, here I am on my 14,411-foot peak, and I don't know what peak you're on, but let me just tell you what it looks like from here. And maybe that'll help you. Hopefully it helps you, you know? it just It's just like the 12-step the meeting. You know, you're thinking about buying a house? Well, I've bought some houses, and I've done this, and I've failed this way, and I've succeeded that way, and here's my strength, hope, and experience, and I just let it go. Because yeah. I don't know what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's still a fact that mortgages suck, but there's a bunch of other facts out there that are also true. And who's to, like, I don't hold the monopoly on facts, you know, even with my kids. Yeah. Hmm. So this is really, you know, this is really a bizarre thing to believe, actually, about even your three-year-old. Because I think I know it's better for them in a few areas. Like, if they're going to walk into the street... Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop them. And I don't even know if it's, I think it's best, but I, it's just love and I'm just going to do it. Yeah. But ironically, after six kids, you'd think I'd be a lot more confident about knowing what's best, but I'm less confident than ever. Yeah. And, and I'm more readily available to be able to see from his peak, and from just our three-year-old's peak. Yeah, and just to appreciate and enjoy it. I, I love watching him process now. And yeah. instead of, like, getting him to do the next step, to, like, walk faster or learn the alphabet quicker, mm. I just love watching his him from his point of view. He teaches me how to enjoy life. In fact, from some perspectives, he's walking faster than we are. He's learning at a much yeah. faster rate than adults. Children are, are brilliant in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, he sees things that we can't see. You know, we're, for, you know, with our vantage point, our adultness. So wh why I do Fight for Together now is different. You know, I've, I've come to accept, yeah, we are a unique family. But that doesn't make us right about everything. Mm -hmm. It just makes us our family. We're a, on our little peak. A perspective that people, if they want to, can peek in on. <laughs> so we blast it, and we hope that we're sharing our strength, hope, and experience, and that you guys will get from it whatever you think you can so that you can make the best decision knowing that you have a totally different story than us. You come from a different place. And being divorced or gay or looking at porn or doing drugs or less heroin or whatever it is. Or being evangelical. I want to celebrate you guys' victories in your life, not what you think our, our victories should be in your life. It's going to be different. Yeah, because that's not helpful to anyone to do that. And that means we're going to have to listen more, you know, in the comments and, and – yeah. Listen for what your victory looks like for you. Hmm. Which is why I'm always encouraging people in the comments to leave their story, you know. Yeah. Like, share how this has impacted you. Don't, I mean, you can share whatever you want, but I don't really, it doesn't value me so much when you're like, you guys are awesome. You're great. Because that's a judgment statement that when we flip it the other way, we're saying, oh, you're awesome or you suck. And you're saying, you're awesome or you suck. Like, maybe we don't know, you know. But if you share, if you stick to your you know, experience. story, your experience, and you don't crosstalk and we don't crosstalk, that's a really encouraging environment for us. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. That was a lot. 
so we're going to keep on doing this little fight for together thing and it's a little bit different we don't know i find it fascinating that we started our vlog when we did and how much we've evolved in that relatively short amount of time and yeah i can still we're almost 500 subscribers on the podcast i can still remember oh, yeah, when we hit yeah. okay i can still remember when we hit 500 on our vlog which is crazy okay um it is time for your phone calls here we go Sorry, we just had some technical difficulties. Here's the phone call, number one. Hi, Ben and Tammy. My name is Emily. I'm 29, and I'm from Southern California. I am married to my high school sweetheart of 15 years, but we've been married for almost eight, and we just celebrated the birth of our fourth child. I've been following your family on YouTube since Tammy's birth video of Rainier, but what hooked me was your allowance videos. <laughs> um, our kids are seven, five, three, and three months. My husband and I are both very open about our fantasies and we know each other's super secrets. You know, the things that friends and family are for sure judging on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm nervous. My question is this. Have you and Kenny ever made your fantasies a reality? And if so, how did you know your marriage was at a strong enough point to explore that? Thank you so much for always being so honest and open. Fuck all the people who try to make you something you're not. Keep living life the way you are in true freedom and exploration. What do you guys think? Aww. Yeah. Okay, what was the, was it about secrets? Uh, yeah, it was a little hard for us to hear. Um, so, not because it was just the way our audio is set up here. Yeah. She was asking if there's, if we fulfill our fantasies, mm. not just share them, but actually help fulfill them. And how do we know if our marriage is at a strong enough point hmm. to be able to make that work? Good question. Love that question. Wow. So there's kind of two parts. It's first, do we share our fantasies? And second, do we... No, she says, do we act on our fantasies? With each other. Or, or whatever, I don't general? know. She says she shares them with her husband. Mm-hmm. So that sharing's a given. Okay. We're past that. that. Part. I didn't hear that but part. But it's like okay. if you if I want you to dress up like a naughty nurse, do we do that? Yeah. I would say if it Yeah, yeah, you dress up like a naughty nurse or yeah, like <laughs> yeah, you understand the question. I think there's been things in that you've shared with me different adventures explorations sexually that we've had it's been more on your side I feel like because I feel like I'm a little more I mean I have fantasies but I don't have any fantasies that I'm like oh I really want to try that in real life well maybe fantasies then is the wrong word like desires because a fantasy is just an unmet desire right yeah okay I'd say we have. Yeah, heck yeah, we have. Quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's one of the things that's so cool for me is I spent most of my marriage feeling like my fantasies had to be separate from my marriage more because I believed that fantasies were wrong and they should be suppressed. Mm -hmm. And now I believe they just actually represent desires and most desires aren't good or bad they just are what you choose to do with them could hurt you or others but that's all of life that has nothing that's not unique to sex that could be with eating cheetos also yeah um so i think what was more hurting our marriage wasn't the fantasies it was actually the shame and the separation that was caused by not by unnecessarily creating a wedge in a relationship so as we've shared more of our desires, I think the way that we know we're ready for it is if both people 
are willing to try it. Yeah, there. I mean, there's also another element. If both people are not willing to try it, if if it's okay within the partnership to let the other person try it on their own. Yeah, there's and we're okay piece. with that too. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so th- I think that's an important angle. Also, um, now what do you do if one person feels like they have a f- a desire and the other person doesn't want to do Which it. Which we've had that too. And doesn't want to yeah. allow it. Oh. Mm. Then the one person either has to just bite the bullet or they have to say, fuck it, I'm going to go do it. Which actually I can relate to in a way, not with sex in our marriage, but with, I guess, more just hearing stories of people Mm -hmm. that are in relationships that I don't know, I suppose you could categorize as abusive or suppressive or something where like one person's like growing trying to control the other person. Yeah. And the other person's like not growing and they're just like a vegetable. And the one person saying like, if you keep on growing, there's going to be a wedge in the relationship that way. And I think the person, I think we have to look out for your, your health. Well, I think, individually. I think that person has to make a decision. Are they going to value their growth or more than the marriage or the partnership? Or are they going to value the partnership and marriage over their growth? Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But yeah. But if you choose, if you choose the that. quote unquote marriage, quite often what you find is you, you're actually like killing yourself. Yeah. Individually. And that actually will actually ruin the marriage also. So but that's it's a great like question. A, you don't see that short term. Short term, if in marriage ends or a partnership ends, it's all people see is, oh, that's horrific. And it feels like you're making a sacrifice for the marriage by suppressing your desires. Yeah. So we haven't really been in a. So th- those are the scenarios, and that's what's what we've done. But I feel very fortunate to have to be in a place where I can. Um, express my desires and fantasies and act on a lot of them. And what I've noticed is by even acting a little bit, a lot of them have changed. Like a lot of them are not what, I mean, like even going to a nudist resort was kind of a fantasy for me. And then we did it and it was like really cool. And then it was like, oh, that was cool. It was kind of like going to Disney World. But yeah, it stopped being this larger than life thing because yeah. What I've come to believe, I mean, this is all TMI, but this is a topic that's near and dear to our heart, which I imagine that's why she asked it. But it's not, usually what you want is not really what you want. Like for me, mm-hmm. like as an example, I was always attracted to the idea of a nude beach. I've never been to a nude beach this day. But a lot of the porn I was even drawn to was just nude beaches. And... I've realized it wasn't like all like horny sexual arousal wanting other women or anything. It was like I like really love the idea of people being completely free from societal arbitrary bondage. And that's one of the things I love about that. And I love mm-hmm. it on a nude beach, but it's really it's not a nude beach that actually excites me. I love that idea all over the place. I love it on Instagram. But you can only find it on certain places. Yeah, I mean, it, it also fits a sexual arousal template that I have. But mm-hmm. my point is, it's not just—I don't know. I think we're complicated creatures. Yeah. So sometimes when people want, um, you know, Disney World, they really want like nostalgia or something, and you just—we don't know. So right. I don't know. I, ho- I hope that helps. Thanks for that question. I really yeah. like that one. Hey guys, this is Frank. Um, thanks for leaving your number. I typically watch your shows on uh, YouTube TV, so I don't get the little links and stuff like when I watch it on the computer. Um, and, and there's just a ton of things. First of all, I'd like to say and leave it as an open question: is you may want to follow your intuition on the whole God and Bible thing. 
And that's not to say follow your shame or anything like that. But I'm also a 12-stepper, and um, I enjoy um, noticing how you take some aspect of that, although I haven't really heard much of what you uh, how you participate in that, but it's interesting. Uh, but one thing we do know, especially when we're working on, you know, the defects part, whether it's four, six, or seven, or the ten, um, one thing I've learned, okay, you know, I don't want to say that uh, Cammy's a people pleaser, but typically when you keep your um, opinion to yourself and always smile, <clears throat> and especially in my experience, seeing it in women, um, it, it's a defect of people pleasing. I mean, you know, there's a good aspect of people pleasing at, at times, like maybe putting a sports bra on. I don't know. I have no problem with nudity, but you know, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, people pleasing is a lie, and if you're not a liar, it's tough to live with. It. All right. Okay, I think that's long enough, and um, you may regret having allowed me to uh, put your phone number in my contact list. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the entertainment. Thanks for the insight. Love your kids. What about us, Frank? Do you love us? It's okay. <laughs> Don't lie. Do you love me, Frank? Oh, All right. I think that one's for you. Yeah. Um... I think some personalities lend themselves more towards people pleasing. Um, I think I have dealt with shame around being a people pleaser. Um, but actually, the Enneagram helped me understand, well, that's just how I am. But that doesn't mean I can't grow in that area. Which that's a whole nother episode, Enneagram. And... I think my people pleasing more comes from wanting to keep a peaceful existence in myself and not really wanting conflict um, for the most part. And I found myself coming out of that quite a bit these days. In the comment section especially. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's Which interesting. Which I think... I think I agree with what he said that the way I would nuance how I would phrase it is not that people pleasing is a lie, but that when people pleasing leads to lying, it crosses a line. Because like your people pleasing, yeah. it's like a motive, you know, it's your natural bent is to try and make people happy. To I, try to merge. Yeah. Like I don't want to ruffle. Yeah. And that can be really great. Else. It's one of your greatest assets. But sometimes it's a liability, and sometimes yeah. it causes you to be dishonest. Sometimes it causes you to kiss people's asses when it actually harms them or yourself. Mm -hmm. And at those times, that that probably crosses a line. And yeah. my, mine is the exact opposite. Like I like kind of taking the the um, odd man out angle or the mm -hmm. road less traveled or whatever you want to call it. And that can be great, but it presents. There's another time when it crosses a line, and it it has, you know, assets and lines. Yeah, and the the woman uh, factor is interesting. Cause I think culturally, women feel whether it's their personality or not that they're kind of more need, have this societal pressure to just please instead of stand up uh, for what they believe in. All right. Last but call. We talked about twelve steps, but maybe we need to move on. Last call. I think we're going back to Emily. Hey, Ben and Cammy. This is Emily again. I left a bit of a voice message the other day, but I had a new question. I am a mother of four. Dude, I can't hear that at all. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. Let me. I really want to get to this. And I don't know how. All I heard was, I'm a mother of four. 
Is there enough? Hi, Ben and Cammy. My name is Emily. I'm 29, and I'm from Southern California. I'm That's the first one. My high school sweetheart. Dang it. Um, hmm. All right, dang it, Emily. Mm. I don't know why, but the audio got all yeah jacked up there. If you could call back and leave a We'd message. We'd love to hear yeah. it, but that's all the questions for today, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry to leave on a downer with technical difficulties. Um, but I don't know. We have comments on the YouTube uh, thing, the YouTube version of this video, and I would love to hear what you guys' thoughts are on knowing what's best for other people. What have you guys learned in this area, mm. and what's been helpful for you, and what's your sh strength, hope, and experience? Mm. But if you guys would like to leave us a question or comment, it really is helpful for us because it can just feel like we're kind of alone down here in the basement. Yeah, feedback is nice. So you can do that on the Anchor app by downloading it from iOS or Google Store, and then you just find Fight for Together, and then it says leave a message, and you can just do that. Or the easier way is to leave a phone message by calling 206-651-5744 and just leave a voicemail. And I think I'm going to actually just switch to that because I, I just want to simplify it. So that phone number again is 206 six five one five seven four four um you guys can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are available please like and subscribe and send us money and buy our merch <laughs> and support our sponsors kirkland signature golden margaritas and um do all those things because we know it's best for you <laughs> <laughs> how's that work <laughs> No, that's what's best for us. <laughs> a little different. Yep. Um, so anyways, uh, thanks, guys. This was episode 22. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time. A lot of technical difficulties tonight. Yeah.